0: Good evening, welcome back to Ulcerative Colitis Motherhood and Me. I'm Ulcerative Colitis Mama, and I'm joining you now at 27 minutes past 11 on Friday night. Um, okay, I appreciate that most people are either asleep or on their way to bed at uh, this time of the evening, but um, I've been sort of battling with, you know, sort of thrashing ideas about really uh, this evening um, about what my next episode would be. Would contained really. Um, so I mean tonight initially I was going to be talking about um, mental health um uh, my experience of it and just sort of um, just little things that may have attributed to um, you know my sort of progressive um, mental ill health um, not long after um, everything happened with my diagnosis and you know with colitis and and you know having a traumatic delivery and things like that, I mean, to be honest, I touched on quite a lot of it last last week and um and for those of you who you know listened out for the duration of the forty nine minute um episode last week, thank you <laughs> um much appreciate you guys you know battling on and listening to me waffle on um but it does mean a lot, and for those of you who have tuned in and listened to my you know um my episode so far um much appreciated thank you so so much and this is still something very new to me I'm still very much one of these that's uh, more comfortable sort of typing up my feelings and and sort of that anonymity um gracious that's a long word um you know I'm still I'm feeling a little braver I suppose that's why I'm looking at the, the the podcasting kind of route now um Plus the fact it helps me sort of think aloud, really. And um, so, thank you, um, absolutely wholeheartedly. You know, it's uh, it it means it means a lot. Um, you know, and, and those of you who you're familiar with my blogs, uh, my Instagram, uh, my Facebook pages, you know, much appreciated, honestly. Um, so moving on then. Um, I so okay so the. I had so so many things I wanted to talk about in regards to mental health, and of course i can i will hopefully be um, sort of exploring those in eventually in turn um but um tonight, I want to do something different because um it's been uh, sort of near as damn it twelve months ago since um we had our clap for carers um sort of campaign if you like um for those of you who aren't familiar um, for those who don't live in the uk um, we it, it was a, basically it was a concept that was developed last uh, last year during our first initial lockdown and um, when our government you know uh, cared about our health service okay that was a bit of a dig I promised I wouldn't go political um, anyway um so what what we were asked to do was to step on our doorsteps um if we had one. And basically applaud our NHS workers, our public sector workers, our police, our ambulance service, our fire service. Um, you know all those, uh, you know teachers, all those people that um, couldn't stay home during the first lockdown. Um, and at first, when I'd I'd, I'd sort of seen um, messages and things on social media, you know. Um, are people going to do it are people going to go out and clap for the nhs um now being an nhs worker myself i was a bit at first i was a bit like yeah right like my neighbors are going to do that i had i've lived in on the same street for oh god about eight nine years now um and i know about well i know two neighbors um and i i don't really know anybody else so um we're all a bit antisocial, really. Um, we just very much keep ourselves to ourselves most of us sort of work and you know things So we sort of see each other's cars leaving the driveways in the morning but that's about it anyway so I I sort of thought you know I'll go and step out on the doorstep I'll do my bit you know I'll do it for my brothers and my sisters in the NHS and public sector so I stood out you know um at eight o'clock that Thursday evening and uh I I was amazed um I was, i actually—I actually started crying, to be honest, because the the stress and the threat of COVID that that hit hit us. I, you know, I live in a relatively small town, um, you know, in North Wales, and sort of the threat of COVID thought oh, I'll never come to us. We don't get anything like that. We don't get any drama like that, you know. We're we're fine, and I'm sort of living in that blissful ignorance usually. But um, my town got hit with COVID. Um, we had, you know, we... we um, and we had to make preparations anyway. And so to step out on my doorstep that evening and to hear people shouting thank you and clapping and, you know, things like that, it it was... Heartwarming, it was amazing, and sort of the, le- the weeks leading up to you know, um, this clap for carers campaign, um, we were seeing uh, supermarkets devoid of any stock, we were seeing panic buying, we were seeing people stockpiling toilet roll. Which, for somebody that suffers with colitis, even in remission, I need a lot of toilet roll. I mean, so, and I'm sure a lot of people out there with IBD. And IBS, any any kind of bowel issue, you guys know how important toilet paper is, don't? We? So, you know, seeing the best and worst of the public, um, I got um, I'd gone to pay for fuel, and at the time they'd shut all the the um, service stations, so you could only use like the night pay, um, so um, which is just like a, a hatch. A gla- you know, through through the window, and a woman actually stopped me. I was in uniform, and a woman actually stopped me, and she said, "I just want to say thank you for all you do." And I was, I was really blown away, absolutely blown away, and I did not to say to her. I just sort of said, "Um, s- thank you. Um, thanks." You know, it was it was uh, it it was such a bizarre um experience, and so. Yeah, like I said, it, it got quite emotional, and because it made me realise that you know, despite a lot of criticism that our National Health Service gets from sometimes from the public, um, and you know, it's not a perfect service. That we're we're massively underfunded, understaffed, um, you know, th- things like that. So for. for that sort of level of appreciation, it it was really heartwarming, and um, and it became a week a weekly thing. Then it became quite a trend, and our, our neighbors got progressively more competitive. To be honest, um, you know, there was somebody down the road from us that had like a siren, and there were some people setting off fireworks, and there was a guy that lives like this in uh, a estate behind where we live and i think he's like a singer by well i say by trade um you know i'm i'm you know i'm no sort of professional singer by any stretch of the imagination but it was (laughs) he was singing something but i have no idea what it was still to this day i i don't even know what tune he was singing but anyway um but it it gave the community it kind of brought the community together um and it was lovely. And um, my local hospital um, where I've I've worked for most of my career, um, they released like a, a, a video and it was like a stay at home campaign video. So uh, what they did was the, I think it's like the engagement team or whoever deal with all the press sort of stuff had gone around different wards in the hospital and they'd gone around, Sort of different areas like the managers and the porters and the, um, the catering staff, um, the domestic staff, things like that, with these little signs saying, um, you know, stay at home for us, um, uh, help us care for you, you know, that words to that effect. And it was filmed so beautifully and I remember look, watching the video, and it was posted by one of the matrons that I used to work with when she was a staff nurse. Um, sort of we're talking about sort of ten years ago now, when I was a, when I was a baby nurse. Um, and I remember looking at the faces, and I'm thinking, I've, I've worked, I'd, you know, because I'd banked as well as a, as a, an auxiliary nurse, as a healthcare support worker, while I was waiting for my registration, and while I was. Um, you know sort of uh, waiting to to qualify and things and and I thought I've worked with a lot of these people, or I know a lot of these people or I've trained with them or i've you know or they've looked after me um, and it was a very very emotional video and i and i I did a bit of a spiel on it I shared it and and sort of said you know as as one of you as a nurse um You know, there's some people in this video that have have guided me, supported me um, mothered me, shouted at me uh, consoled me um, sort of gave me the wings to fly Um, you know, there's people, you know and from the flip side of being actually a patient for the, you know, on the service um, you know, there are doctors and nurses that have saved my life um, you know the Skaboo nurses that looked after little g when he was born um, the midwives that looked after me and him you know the the pediatricians the the gastroenterologists um the ibd nurses uh the mental health, the community mental health team you know the there's the, just so many of them the endoscopy unit you know because all of us with IBD get to meet the endoscopy suite every now every so often don't we <laughs> um you know these incredible people and I think prior to my um prior to my pregnancy I'd never been a patient before so I saw it through two different you know two different sets of eyes and um and even I, I, I found it on my memories today on social media, and I, I just played it back tonight just to remind myself how kind of raw it was last year, and how like we've adjusted and it's just become normal for us now. And it, it was really emotional that I could feel like a lump in my throat, and I thought, you know, I kind, I know these people, and, um, and unfortunately, like uh, many, uh, many of our hospital trusts across the country we've we've lost some staff members as well uh some colleagues and through covid um and it, it's been quite tough it's uh, it's brought it's brought a lot of us together in a sense that you know that we're we're still uh, fighting it out and keeping our patients safe and keeping our loved ones safe as best we can um and there was a, a the the national news the um sort of the regional news if you like um, have followed our hospital quite closely because uh, unfortunately our hospital did have quite a substantial um, number of cases if you like uh, especially in winter and um, they interviewed uh, one of the the sisters one of the ward sisters who looks after the the covid ward and she was not only my colleague for the best part of three years but she was also my what we call my sign-off mentor and basically what they do is um, they've got different terminology depending which university you go to but your sign-off mentor is your supervisor if you like your um your your teacher if you like on the wards um who basically thinks that you're competent and confident enough and sane enough um, to be a nurse, and they they have the power to sign you off um, as clinically competent to be a nurse. And it was her. And uh, during the interview, she'd she'd had quite a, a tough um, few weeks, her and her staff and um oh I feel a bit sort of sort of a bit choked up actually um and I've always known her to be quite strong she was quite old school um even for quite a relatively young nurse and she she actually started crying during her interview um with the news team because um, she said it had been tough and she she's not a crier um and her her grandson is in the same class as little G at school, and I just remember thinking, that's it, it's it's wrong. It's it's so it's sad. It's it's horrific. Um, that we've never sort of I've been a nurse for ten years, which is quite quite small in compared to some of my colleagues, you know, that have worked. You know, I've worked with a nurse that was qualified for 50 years, you know, and they've seen all sorts of, you know, epidemics and various other things and disasters and horrible things. Some have been in the armed services and overseas and various other things. And it, it's been horrible, horrible 12 months. uh, as as somebody in the nhs the the amount of times we've had staff members just become so overwhelmed with the just sort of the enormity of it all the serious of it all the seriousness of it all and a lot of us that have had loved ones that have either um, been taken by covid or they've been really poorly with it and um, we've lost a lot of patience as well from it and it it's you know and I, I'm not sort of trying to sort of um, make this a, a a big you know um I'm not trying to make this like a political thing or anything it's just as a mental health sort of champion as a mental health sort of um you know, uh, spokesperson, if you like. Um, It it, would be massively unsurprising if once the worst of this pandemic is over, where we can start rebuilding some sort of sense of normality um, or new normal as it's been thrown at us, we're going to have it a devastating mental health crisis Um, and not necessarily just the public Uh, the public have suffered themselves um, but those uh, frontline workers are going to feel it too Um, I remember talking um, in one of my blogs about this time last year actually that I no longer felt like I was a nurse I felt like I was a soldier and a very inequipped soldier that was just given a plastic apron, a set of gloves and a surgical mask and being told to just carry on doing my job as normal. Um, But it wasn't normal. Patients were different. Patients were different because they were terrified. And my my role, um, I work as part of a team that prevent hospital admissions where they're not warranted so um, what we do is we provide like a rehabilitation for that patient within their own home and a lot of patients were turning it down because they didn't want people in the house they didn't want to risk catching anything to, almost to the detriment of their own health really um, having very difficult conversations with GPs with um, with other colleagues, you know, from you know, various interagency sort of services, um, and I've no- known nothing like it ever. And like I said, this this is one of um, I I campaigned to be a mental health champion for my my team um, eighteen months ago, before I knew anything about COVID because I'd been through the mill and I'd come out the other side and I wanted, you know and as much as I still have bad days I never wanted anyone else to go through something like that alone so by being a mental health champion I was able to make myself more known to my colleagues to sort of say, look, you know you can come to talk to me on a one-to-one or you can invite me in you know, uh, as sort of like an advocate or um, as small groups, which, are, you know, because it was allowed then, um, just to, just so people had a voice and a listening ear and just somebody on their side, really. And, uh, and I can see that probably at the end of this, I'm going to see a lot more interaction with my colleagues on that sort of level. Um, all of us have had a wobbly um, in the last 12 months I it took me till November to get mine Um, I spent three weeks off work in November because things just got too much, I think I'd been running on adrenaline for that entire time and just sort of keeping focus keeping calm, just put your game face on and get back and do your job, look after those people that need you and um, keep an eye on your colleagues and then our team got hit pretty badly with Covid uh, around October November time where we had a lot of staff off sick and the people in work, there are as much as I love every, every single one of my colleagues, there is nobody I can openly say I don't like Um but there are just a handful of those that know my story, if you like. They know the the dark, twisty bits that I don't always speak too openly about. Although I do through my blogging. Um, but there's still like a little element of stigma, um, sort of in the mm. workplace, which I'm really campaigning to to change. Um, anyway. That handful of people that I would normally turn to when I was feeling not so good um, were all off sick with COVID at the time. And I couldn't... There was was no way I was going to contact them while they were off sick. That was absolutely just disrespectful. And, you know, and I couldn't... It wasn't appropriate. And it took one little comment from another colleague and uh, like a house of cards everything came tumbling down again and I just remember crying hysterically for what felt like a whole day to the point where I had to tell my line manager who at the time I was kind of ter- I wasn't terrified of her but in nursing there is quite a hierarchy I suppose not too dissimilar from from the army really Um And I've always had this, you know, respect for anybody in the navy blue uniform upwards, really, that, you know, um, and my sort of having to speak to my matron about something, she didn't know I had an issue, you know, she didn't know about my history. So to um, have to sort of explain it to her, and I always felt like I couldn't really talk to her Normally, mm. because I was a little bit scared of her because she was high up and I'm sort of a, just like a grunt really. And she was amazingly understanding. And um, mm. we agreed that I took some time out to recuperate. And she, she just sort of said, if there's anything you need, she said, you can contact me anytime. And I mean, anytime. And for that was a massive help. That was like somebody holding their hand out to you when you've fallen down, and um, it gave me hope because I I had uh, quite a significant breakdown in 2018 um, for reasons that I won't go into because um, it's still I still don't really want to go there and. That was probably the worst I've ever felt in my entire life, mentally, like, sort of mentally, emotionally. um, Like, really, really, really bad. And the fear of going back there terrifies me, of ever being that ill again. And I think I'd caught myself in time. Um, Granted, I did have a major wobbly, but it wasn't
1: half as bad
0: as it was in 2018 so I was able to sort of think logically and just like right okay I'm not good what can I do about getting help now Um, I've got to be able to get help somehow so I spoke to my GP um, she sort of gave me some advice and I spoke to my occupational health nurse as well Um, we have like a, a uh, the trust I work for has quite a good. They're trying to push a lot of mental wellness now. They're, to be fair to them, they've put quite a lot of work into it. Hence the uh, staff mental health champions. So, um, so yeah, I got I got help. I started working on some CBT while I was off work. And what kind of shocked me the most was that you know, and I I don't know why I said it shocked me because. They're amazing people but the the nurses I work with um, messaged me every day just checking in and which i didn't expect um, because I felt like I'd been you know sometimes because I think i'm so aware of my vulnerabilities at times and when I'm feeling particularly vulnerable the self esteem collapses and the Um, the sort of my self confidence everything sort of goes with it then I convinced myself that they're all holding me up you know sort of keeping me you know keeping me from going um, and being a burden Um, and that's something I I was always very conscious about especially those that didn't know me so well like the newer starters and things like that and I was I couldn't believe how kind people were, and that that kind of gave me my fight back, and I knew I had to go back to work, and I and I did. And so at touch wood, with the exception of getting COVID myself in um, end of December, beginning of January, and then subsequently kick-starting an uh, ulcerative colitis flare. Um, I've been all right. Um, but I I just want to give it all back I want to give it back to people and you know just watching those old videos um, from last year and I'm just sort of seeing how our NHS has adapted and I'm sort of risen up to to do their absolute best to protect the public and save lives and Rehabilitate people, and it's you know absolutely amazing. Um, I there's a doctor I've known for well since I again was a baby nurse, um, who's now a consultant geriatrician. Who actually set up, he was one of the consultants to set up one of our local field hospitals, and he'd been running that, um, obviously alongside, um nursing staff and domestic staff porters, security guards catering staff physiotherapists, occupational therapists you know, and each and every single person that you need to ensure that patient's recovery and it's encouraging that it looks as though they're going to be closing the hospital so, which it's got to be a good sign, right? It's, um, you know there is there is hope on the horizon for us and I can't wait for the day that I don't have to wear a mask in work. I want to be able to show my facial expressions to my patients, um, because all I seem to be doing is squinting, so they know that I'm smiling. Um, I want to be able to hold their hands again. It's, you know, I have with gloved hands, I have done, but it's not the same. It's just so impersonal. And being able to hug a patient and hug a colleague these things we take for granted, you know, um, as nurses, we're so tactile and, um, we're so aware of our non-verbal communication and we're not able to do that at the moment, we're not able to, to sort of put around a patient and tell them it'll be okay when they get bad news and stuff and, uh. That's really hard as a nurse. And like I said, we've lost a lot of patients, sort of particularly in the winter, um, which has taken it out of all of us, really, because we develop a bond with these patients. You know, we might only be with them for a few weeks, but we're going into their home, we're meeting their family, we're talking to you know, we're having conversations with them about their what they used to do for a living, their families and um, and things like that. And we, you know, we get to share part of their life. And it's such an honour and a privilege. So when they get poorly and when they pass away, whether it's being due to COVID or complications from from COVID or whichever it just seems all more tragic um, and it, it's just it, it's I hope to God the universe, whoever out there that will listen that this never happens again that we're we're over the worst I really, really hope um, because like I said it's, it's the emotional impact it's going to have as well and um and of course i'm i'm up and ready and raring to go as soon as my colleagues struggle i'll be there and i'll be there to to pick them up off the ground and walk that path with them because they've done that for me whether they've known it consciously or or not but those guys have kept me together for the best part of four years and um they're amazing Uh, absolutely amazing people and um, yeah so I know it was completely different kind of subject to what I was going to go with today I was going to go with something a bit more broad um, and a bit more sort of um, I suppose a bit more ambiguous but I think it's something we you know we have to talk about our mental health we really do and whether you, you were a frontline worker or not, each and every one of us has been affected by this awful pandemic. Um, you know, I haven't been able to see my mum um, since Christmas Day. And uh, although she she still looks after little G for us, um, you know, because, you know, this, well, the schools are closed for Easter now. um just little things like being able to hug my mum and dad, uh, be able to have Sunday dinners round at their house again and moan to them about life and you know, things like that and I know it'll be soon that we can do it, but it's hard it really is hard and missing my friends I've got one of my girlfriends she's, she's she's a new mum and she's struggling and she's reaching out for help and God, I want to help her so much I really, really do because it was hard enough you know, almost five years ago for me but I wasn't in the middle of a pandemic you know, I I could go to my friend's house I could go to my mum and dad's I, I, I had places to go that I felt safe and she's so isolated and... I'm going to do everything in my power to help her because that's what you do. That's what you, you know. And I've got another friend as well who's who's a mum to a toddler and she's just become so frightened to death about lockdown that it's totally, it, it, it's made her agoraphobic, basically. And I don't know how to help her. Uh, she, and you know it's it's touched each and every one of us somehow and I love my friends so much they're the family that you choose aren't they and not being able to see them you know is is tough it really really is Uh, we'll get the odd zoom chat now and again but life takes us on different paths sometimes you know but hopefully it'll bring us all back together soon and I I can't wait for that day I really really can't and that's what's keeping me going really and being able to take little G out to you know days out and holidays and various other things—all these things we took for granted so much two years ago—and um, you know it's if any anybody out there listening to this, if anybody's you know being brave enough to uh, to endure this this rant or this this discussion really tonight on on my episode tonight please don't struggle on your own, please speak to anybody anybody at all, just sort of say look, I'm not so good right now you're you're never on your own even if you feel that you are, there is always somebody that will listen I promise you so you've got access to all, all these services now. You can have text messages um, from Mind. They have all sorts of helplines, you know, Mind, Samaritans, Blurtit Foundation, um, Calm. Uh, there are so, so many out there. Papyrus. Um, I'm just trying to think of them all off the top of my head right now. Just please speak to somebody, a friend colleague you know, doesn't have to be a family member, your GP your practice nurse your mental health nurse anyone your occupational health service in your workplace anybody and just and for those of you who are worried about somebody just keep an eye on them Just, just talk to them it doesn't have to be deep and and sort of like a therapy session, just talk to them, just try and see what, you know, try and find some common ground, try and, try and find some some light there for them. It's a really dark time for all of us right now, and we could all do a little candle to help us show, you know, light the way. Um, and from somebody that, that has struggled with their mental health, you know, uh, so so badly in the past just knowing somebody is walking alongside you on that dark twisty path means the world to somebody with depression so just please look out for your friends and neighbours, your loved ones your colleagues you know it's just so so vital right now we're all in the same boat and like I said, we've all been affected by this somehow, so that's what I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about tonight. And I know I'm really sorry; it's been quite heavy, and it's been really late in the night. But I, it just—it's it, something that I felt very strongly about tonight. And as you can tell, I, I'm sort of my voice is sort of quivering a little bit. But it—it it feels good to talk about it, um, however difficult it might be it's good to get it off your chest and I just want to say you know please don't suffer, you are not on your own wherever you are, whoever you are and like I said, if any of this helps in any way or resonates with any single one of you out there, then it means the absolute absolute world to me, so I'm going to say goodnight and I'll join you again soon. Okay, take care everyone. Stay safe. Goodnight.